but I believe in constantly kind of developing yourself and learning. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I decided to kind of go back to university. Hello, everybody, and welcome to B-Squared C, a podcast celebrating the stories of women of color in the corporate world. I am your host, Nancy, and I hope everyone is safe and sane wherever you're listening to this from. I am excited to introduce you to our guest this week, Soraya Housel. Soraya is a badass data scientist um, who was born in Austria and now lives in Amsterdam. And she's officially our first European native guest. Now, this gives her a very unique perspective on some questions that we have been exploring uh, on this podcast. Particularly, we talked a lot about the concept of a shared black identity in Europe. Um, That means being in community with other black people and supporting each other. I was uh, pleasantly surprised to learn that this is something she did not necessarily grow up seeing a lot of. And she shared her experiences around this, how she viewed race growing up, how the concept of even spaces for black people has evolved in Europe and the impact of Black Lives Matter last year on this whole social discourse. Soraya was also dropping all sorts of gems about her career. Um, She is a master pivoter, so really has been reinventing herself a bunch of times in her career and it is super inspiring. I hope you enjoy her story as much as I did. Have a listen to the episode. All right, Soraya, hi. Hey, hello. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. Happy to yeah. be here. <laughs> How are you holding up in this pandemic and everything? <laughs> well, I would say it changes, right? Like, I think, yeah. <laughs> and a different, like, every week I would give you a different answer to this question, probably. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going through the phases, I think. Sometimes, sometimes yeah. more positive, sometimes a bit less um, optimistic, so... Yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember personally, uh, in the last few weeks, one of my low days was the day they announced that there were like more cases in my region. And I was like, my friend sent me an article, right? And I literally just started sobbing. I was like, well, oh. I, know, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> yeah, I think I've gone to a bit the stage of being a bit numb. Yeah. News. You know, you're mm-hmm. like, yeah, throw it at me. I mean, <laughs> what it, what it is, what it is at this yeah. point, right? Yeah, exactly. Like everything is closed. I'm sitting home, like at home, meeting. You have been, you're in touch with a few people, but mm-hmm. at this stage, it's like you can't do much more, right? Like, no, no, you can't really do much more. I think what's upsetting me is seeing how other countries are. Well, they're progressing much faster than we are. I think there's a bit of FOMO in terms of <laughs> looking at. <that. laughs> My American friends are like going to restaurants and stuff. And I'm like, what is happening here? <laughs> Gosh. Okay. 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 No, um, it is what it is. We'll see. We'll see where it takes us. But welcome to B-Squared C, Soraya. I am super excited to have you here. Thanks for having me. I've been listening to the um, podcast in season one. Um, so, yeah, I always find it, find it very interesting, you know, like to the, during this home fa- whole phase when we were staying at home last year, mm-hmm, <laughs> it was mm-hmm, nice mm-hmm. to kind of discover these sort of nice conversations, right? And it felt like sitting in a cafe with you and your guests and just kind of yes. well, it's listening to the story, which I really like. I love it. Now we're in the cafe with Soraya today. <laughs> <laughs> hey, how do I say your last name? Hauser. It's, um, yeah, it's a German pronunciation. 
Okay. So, All right. Well, so let's get into your story, Sorry. Um, can you introduce yourself to our audience with like three stories, anecdotes, or experiences that sort of speak to who you are now? Um, sure. So yeah. Hello, everyone. Um, I'm Soraya. Um, I'm currently living in Amsterdam. Um, I've been here for about three, three to four years. Um, I am from Vienna, Austria. Mm-hmm. This is where I was born, where I grew up. And yeah, I would say something that kind of shaped me from the beginning was that I was always interested in numbers, right? So uh-huh. I think I had an early passion for numbers. Right. But then for math, um, which was my favorite subject. Mm-hmm. And that then also kind of went a bit into the, my interest for tech, computers, and so on. So I think I always had a bit of that. And that's um, also, um, I'm currently, um, well, I'm a data scientist, right? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Which is basically a combination of statistics, math, programming, machine learning, it's all these sort of things. And people often ask me, how do you get into this? Right? And for me, right. that was feels a bit like, oh, it came natural, just like numbers. Were right. It was just you loved numbers right from the start. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> I think that's that. Yeah, that very much um, is the thing who I am. Yeah, I've lived, uh, grew up in Vienna, lived there. Um, then at some point I moved to London, mm-hmm. um, which was because at that time I was already working for a bit and I wanted to take, yeah, to take a bit of a, a break. There was an option to do a study leave. Um, okay. um, so I went to London to do a master's in machine learning. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's also, yeah, I think that was one, not, well, it sounds a bit kind of big, a crucial decision, but I believe in constantly kind of developing yourself and learning. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I decided to kind of go back to university. At that time, it felt like, ooh, should I really do that? Like, I felt almost a bit like, am I too old for that? Yeah. Which is ridiculous, right? Because at this time I was working for three or four years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think mm-hmm. sometimes you are in this mindset of, oh, I've chosen a path and now I should and that's kind of it. optimize this path, right? But yeah. because from today's perspectives, it just made a lot of sense. And I think that it's kind of um, also now never too late to just um, maybe change yeah. the direction, reflect. You don't have to go in a straight line, right? I think the mm-hmm. sort of path of your development can have many directions or many, many shapes, right? So yeah, so um, I then lived in London for five years, very much um, enjoyed that. Um, but at some point it just felt like it needed a bit of a change. Um, mm-hmm. London is a great city, but it can also be exhausting. Um, that's when I decided to um, move again and um, ended up in, in Amsterdam. Yeah, and I think that's also just, I just reflecting on these sort of things um, lately, I realized just kind of how much I enjoy this sort of concept of, oh, and also the privilege to some extent to be able to move around, to kind of reinvent yourself right. in different environments, mm-hmm. right? Just because I also experienced that, I think to some extent, you are also a bit of a product of your environment and different environments allow you to to develop different paths of your personality, right? Or different mm-hmm. aspects of your personality. So mm-hmm. I also just um, realized that I found that kind of quite exciting, just being able to, yeah, go yeah. somewhere else, develop your new stuff. Yeah, I love that. One question for you regarding choosing a, to do a master's in, in London. So you just talked about it in terms of like you had worked for a couple of years and then you, you, moved, you decided to do your master's. What was your experience like getting your master's after you had actually worked a couple of years? So... Um, my first degree was more on business. It was a combination of business and math operations okay. research. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I basically, after studying, I didn't have any clue about the working world, right? I mean, you do some internships, but in reality, mm-hmm. you don't know, know much, right? So no. I started working consulting just to get started. Mm-hmm. And I think that allowed me to also have a bit better perspective on what is it that I, re- what is it that I really want? What is it um, that I'm interested in? Mm-hmm. But then once I went back to university, I did it because I was interested in the subject of machine learning. I think you take in content in a different format. 
First of all, um, I was I felt very grateful to be back at university and having that sort of time just to study, read papers. Right. Right. So I think once you start working, you realize that you don't have. Yeah, you realize that you miss yeah. it. I miss yeah. like intellectual like banter and conversations <laughs> all the time. <laughs> exactly. So I think you just kind of are much yeah. more grateful for, for being able to do that. And yeah, you think you have a different lens on things, right? So. I remember like one part is the scientific um, context, but the other thing is the projects that you do in your studies, right? Right. I remember mm-hmm. with these, within these projects, I was able to just bring in my experience from business and just also learn. It's a lot of pressure. So I really am a huge fan of the concept of like actually going out and finding out what you like to do yeah. and then coming back. And I think it's totally fine to change. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think sometimes people have the notion of, ooh, how, how will it look like on my resume? Well, it's fine. Yeah. Right? This is where you want to go. You just work on going towards that direction. Yeah. Um, I yeah. Think it's perfectly fine. Or maybe you don't know where you want to go yet. And that's also fine. And that's also fine. You figure it out along the way. Exactly. Thanks for sharing all of that. So we're already getting a little bit into your career arc. So let's talk about what you do now. Well, so like at least the last part of where we're covering you chronologically was up until uh, university and, and then you were in, in London. So let's finish your career arc. <laughs> How did you get to now? Um, so yeah, after I was studying um, in London, I did master's in machine learning. And when I was done with that around, um, it was around 2013, I think. Mm-hmm. And that was the time when big data, data science really took off in Europe. Right. So I was quite lucky in the sense that then there were a lot of jobs available there was a lot of interest in the field. Mm-hmm. But then um, I found um, a job as a data scientist with ASOS, which mm-hmm. is an online fashion um, company. Um, and that was ASOS a very... has so much of my money. <laughs> <laughs> I bought so much stuff from ASOS. I'm going to blame you <laughs> for yeah. how much money. <laughs> because I watched, I watched a recording of you talking about your work. And I was just like, she's behind this. She's high. I'm spending so much money on ASOS. <laughs> suggesting all these great clothes to me <laughs> exactly so that, that that was that was um that was a lot of fun mm-hmm. um because yeah i there was working on um recommendations so um yeah recommending fashion items to 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 the shoppers right and identifying taste profiles personalizing um the experience and so on and it was quite an interesting experience because i was i think the second data scientist who joined the company mm. i was there for kind of well, a lot of the things we're building up where we trying where, while we were trying to find out what we what we can do, what what we want to do, and I learned a lot um, during that role. Mm-hmm. And I think that allowed me also to kind of just grow and pick up on a lot of things in in this field, which also at that time was a new field for for myself. Right, right, right. Um, so kind of having a role where that was not re- that was not that closely defined yet. And where there was a lot of room to grow um, mm-hmm. helped me a lot. And then at that, during the time, I also um, led a team. So I also gained um, some experience in uh, managing people. And then at some point, I felt it was time to yeah change things up a bit. Um, as I mentioned, I also wanted to move to a different city. So that's um, when I moved to Amsterdam. Right. Then I um, started working at Booking.com. There I was um, working again as a um, data scientist, working on machine learning problems, mainly on things like um, optimizing the search ranking, right? So if you um, look for um, a property on booking.com, which is a accommodation um, platform, then I was predicting which um, items you would be interested in and showing you more of that. Right. Okay. Okay. And But then you left booking. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I was at booking for um, a few years and then I recently left, yeah, actually in end of the end of 2020. Yeah. In the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> 
pretty unique, right? A lot of people in this time are like, let me hold on to like the things that I had. So what motivated that move for you and what do you do now? Well, what 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 motivated the move for me? So um in general, as you said, like um obviously the pandemic came as a big shock to everyone. Yes. And being part of a company that's in the travel industry obviously kind of felt the impact immediately and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, yes. right? So then, and also, as you said, you see a lot of people around you losing their jobs, struggling um, financially, right? So obviously then you kind of also see some things in a different perspective. Mm-hmm. But then it, it was more or less kind of a bit of a coincidence of things just kind of coming together. Mm-hmm. Um, when a former um, colleague of mine, Winnie, with whom I worked at ASOS, she contacted me and told me about um, the business that she found, that she just founded. And um, asked me whether I want to kind of come on board. And that just sounded like a very interesting opportunity. Right. And that's why I decided, decided to join um, Cara. So that's the startup uh, working with right now. Right. And yeah, Cara is basically, it's, yeah, it's a platform for personalized hair care, for textured hair. Mm-hmm. So textured hair meaning Afro hair, curly hair, wavy hair multi-textured hair right so right um which is traditional market it's been quite underserved and um, what we do is that we've um, offer expert advice in the form of video consultations mm-hmm. and then um guidance custom routines product recommendations all designed to work for your for your unique texture for your requirements just to yeah just to inspire more um, education hair coaching coaching around kind of how do you care for your hair um, right and do all these things about it I love the concept of Kara so much, right? Uh, in terms of really dipping into this um, idea of an, the underserved market of like textured, like Afro hair. And it triggers me to also want to learn your experience with well, the natural hair movement, right? Uh, so it started, at least I experienced it in America, right? That black women started embracing our hair, its texture and everything about it and how to take care of it. And for me... I, I went through a bit of it and then I cut my hair. What was that like in Europe? And where does Cara fit into the current narrative now? Yeah, it's been, it's been interesting. When I reflect on kind of when I was growing up, there was, yeah, I think it was much more around, um, you know, people trying to relax their hair, straighten their hair, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Res- like trying to kind of live up to the Eurocentric um, beauty standards mm-hmm. um, and so on. And then I think it was more when I was, yeah, probably around the time when I was living in London, I think when a sort of natural hair movement mm-hmm. um, came up, came up more. And I think that was already kind of quite interesting for me because already moving from um, Vienna, Austria to London. So obviously kind of Vienna is a very um, white place, right? So right. A, a white environment. So yeah, so the sort of immediate, yeah, the immediate, your immediate environment, um, you might see very little examples or very little influence of sort of, sort of hairstyle trends and then already coming to London, it felt like, oh, yeah, there's much more. You already, I already kind of felt encouraged to kind of look out, look to others a bit more and kind of mm-hmm. explore a bit kind of what are the options. But I think for me, it was also just a bit of, yeah, not really knowing necessarily kind of how to care for right. the hair, right? So it felt mm-hmm. a bit like daunting. I feel like you would see, sometimes you would see these women I'm on internet internet with this sort of big, beautiful yes. um, hairdos and they're like, wow. And you're like, how does this happen? And then... <laughs> For me, there was also the myth of like our hair doesn't grow, 
right? Exactly, right? So uh, and, and of course, this is saying it very generally because we know that the, well, at least the textures of black hair is a spectrum, right? And there's a lot that has to do with genetics and stuff like that about how our hair grows. Um, people with natural hair and thinking like, oh, this looks great, but also I don't really know how to do this. So yes. I'm sticking <laughs> with what I know, right? Like, yeah. I was, mm-hmm. I was mostly wearing braids and um, that worked for me. It was... Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of relatively low maintenance besides the sort of time when you have to change it up and everything. Yeah, and then, so, but I think it kind of, let's say, planted a bit of a seed also kind of in in educating myself a bit more mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, around natural hair. And I think that also kind of one of the reasons why I guess I was very intrigued by um, Cara and the concept of it was that during the pandemic or the beginning of the pandemic, so around March, April, when everyone's obviously kind of started to spend much more time at home, right? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. We could not go to the hairdressers anymore. So the salons were closed, right? So right. that was a time, I think, when um, I started to just like, yeah, at some point I needed to get my hair done, but I took my braids out. I didn't, couldn't go to the, to the to salon. The salon. But then I was, mm-hmm. hey, what do I do now, right? So, right, right. <laughs> And also like taking away the sort of, in some way, the pressure of kind of being like all done up or like um, right. doing your hair because you didn't really go to any occasions or events, right? So no. then I started to kind of Except like Zoom more. meetings. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I could show up looking ima- amazing today. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but even for the Zoom meetings, to be honest, at the beginning, yeah. I was like, oh, kind of, you were prepared and sometimes, sometimes <laughs> the material. Right? Are you seeing right now and people are not going to see it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. At some point, it's just like went my like, uniform. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> at some point, it went from like, oh, kind of coming prepared to yeah. like sitting there with my towel on my head and just be like, oh, you know, my team has <laughs> seen me like it that. It is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm present. At least I'm here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. My screen is on. My camera is on. This is all you can ask for. <laughs> Yeah. But um, yeah, I think just started to kind of try out more things with my hair, thinking, okay, what am I doing now? What am I doing next? I had time mm-hmm. for more a bit elaborate routines mm-hmm. um, as around it. And then I think um, Cara came in at the right point at the right um, time because of the, the underlying idea of it is just that it's basically, basically a bit like a personal coach for your hair, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the idea is that it helps you to re-engage with your hair, learn more about your hair and take more care of your hair. And that it doesn't, um, um, the aim is not to kind of push you in any direction, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Cara can uh, support you whether you're wearing braids, whether you're going natural, Mm -hmm. whether you're relaxing, right? So I think the idea is more like whatever you want to do, um, we want you to enable you to do it, to feel comfortable with it. Right. And just, yeah, be your authentic self, rock whatever hairstyle you want to rock. So yeah, I think the the thing is that I think that sometimes with the natural hair movement, I think it was um, a great inspiration for, for many people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and a bit of a liberation. But I think at some point it also came maybe a bit with a stigma in one in the other direction, right? Right. So then it would be like, oh, you're not wearing your hair natural. A bit like why, right? So right, 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 right. There's stigma around women who still relax their hair um, and stuff exactly. like that. And I think like that's that also doesn't have to be the case, right? So I think we've learned a lot in terms of things kind of what is now good for her hair, what we've done to her hair, what was um, obviously not great for her hair, right? So there's also been a lot of misinformation, miseducation around um, right. hair, around mm-hmm. hair care. I remember I also relaxed my hair when I was, I don't know, 11, 12, 13. Mm-hmm. And obviously there's, that was, yeah, with yeah, just kind of putting chemicals on your hair, right? Right. Um,
right right um, mm-hmm. which didn't which obviously kind of my hair didn't take take very well right so mm-hmm. um i think the aim is now to say yeah wear whatever you want do whatever you want with your hair just make sure that it's healthy that mm-hmm. you're treating your hair well that you can be yourself um yeah just empower can... empower women yeah. and men right everyone with textured hair I think every black woman has had some sort of journey around this and it's such an impactful part, uh, especially how it plays out in the corporate world as well, right? So your what are your experiences around your hair <laughs> and when you were in the corporate? Now you're in a startup, probably different. So it would be nice to hear about that too. But I'm, I'm curious about your time in ASOS and, and booking and what that experience, hair politics was like for you <laughs> yeah i remember when i was um starting in the corporate world i think even back then i was um wearing braids but yeah there were yeah i think sometimes there were like um interesting questions around uh, my hair or kind of comments um around um hairdos kind of mm-hmm. something like especially kind of when i was in the phase of interviewing after university right uh more like oh like if i'm wearing my hair like that or what i'm usually doing with my hair right just kind of mm-hmm. inter- weird questions that you don't expect because it's not related to your qualifications right um, or right. something like that but i think also kind of at that time i was um in austria i think there was also just a lot of like yeah there was not much i think any knowledge around kind of um black hair or so on so i think yeah i think probably that was a quite a different conversation if i would have been in the uh uk or us um, so there, yeah, I think there were just, let's say some insensitive, more kind of insensitive comments or questions right. um, around the hair. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think definitely also the re- one of the reasons why I was wearing mostly braids was also that I felt, I always felt it's kind of quite a safe hairstyle, right? Mm, in the sense that it kind of, mm-hmm. Yeah, in the sense that it's kind of not necessarily so much kind of in copying, but yeah, it's gets you somewhat a bit close to the sort of um, Eurocentric. Eurocentric standards, because it standards. is, it falls down. Like, exactly. Like, at least if you choose the box braid style, it falls down, right? So you are closer to to the standard, to the Eurocentric standards of beauty than the, how our hair mostly naturally grows, which is like up. <laughs> High <laughs> <Exactly>. gravity <laughs> and everything. Exactly, right? Absolutely. And then um, also it kind of, I didn't want to stick out in any way, right? So you mm-hmm. kind of, you want to kind of not hide a bit, right? But you don't want to, yeah, you always already kind of feel feel very different in a sense. So you kind of want right. to avoid sticking out any any further. Um, so I would have also, I think even just for work, I would not have worn my hair in a natural state. I think that mm-hmm. was just not something I would think of. Um, yeah. Also because, yeah. yeah, it had, even for myself, right? It had this sort of connotation of being unprofessional or wild, all sort of this crazy stupid things that we that sometimes is attributed to our hair right so i think there was even like i think a bit of internalized stigmatism um, right right um, around that right so or even maybe also the way that i view would view other women um with mm-hmm. different hairstyles right so i think that's that's especially um worrying if you think kind of back a bit in in that sort of um, yeah. sort of way then once i went to london and working at asus so asus was obviously also being a fashion um company a quite a young company mm-hmm. so i think there um, people felt more encouraged to just do what they want a bit right like there right. was not much okay. of a dress code in general you would see much more different it was a much, very different environment mm-hmm. um, to the sort of more traditional corporate business environment i was in before so I think there people felt kind of much more empowered to yeah, right. be themselves. Right? I think there was still a bit the sort of different ideals around kind of what um, our hair should look like. But I think um, I did already f- feel more um, empowered to kind of 
do what I want. I like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this experience changes with industry too, right? Yes. Yeah. Most of the time, <laughs> you know. So that has a huge influence on hair politics as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because I think um, at the ACES, obviously, the sort of the, the client customer demographic right, was also right. kind of young in the 20s, mm-hmm. um, fashionable. Some of the people that kind of would represent the brand were these sort of young influencers, these sort of up and coming stars right. would rock mm-hmm. different styles and so on. Right. So then it would have been difficult to to censor that um, internally. Right. And which yeah. was also something that attracted me to the company at that point in time. Right. Mm-hmm. So I felt mm-hmm. a bit like of, after being in a traditional corporate environment, I felt like, OK, this is not for me in the long term. Right. So yeah. I wanted to go somewhere a bit where I felt I was able to be a bit. Yeah freer mm-hmm. or kind of where the environment was more liberal no dress codes no kind of prescriptions about how you should yeah how you should present yourselves that much just just like yeah i think sort of the idea of being able to be authentic is i think very crucial and i think it's also mm-hmm. so much um it's also very crucial especially if you're um, a person of color if you're a woman woman of color right um, indeed black woman yeah I love it. Okay, Sarai, you said something that uh, that triggered me a while back when we when we were just in the head discussion, right? About you at work, uh, you talked about um, sticking out, right? Uh, not wanting to stick out in any way. And my question for you regarding that is, um, well, at least I want to know what was your experience of race, well, growing up, and and, and now, and how can we connect the topic? in this um, particular environment? I would say like um, in Europe, right? Like in many regions, especially regions, especially in continental Europe, right? You, when you're growing up, um, like you quite often uh, within the minority or kind of substantially minority, mm-hmm. which means quite often you're the only person and you might be the yeah. only person. Even more, more than in America. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Not even like a minority, it's kind of- Maybe like three less. black girls on the floor. Here it's like you, that's you, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right so quite often you're the only one in the company maybe right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right so i mean um so that's i think that's quite shapes the shapes your experience in the sense of there's a different i think there's a different sense of community around um race a different kind of sense of concept around race right so mm-hmm. first of all i think you you feel like quite often it's kind of you against a lot of others and mm-hmm. there's not you, you lack a bit the sort of community to kind of maybe have this sort of conversations the, the, this sort of conversations having this sort of allyship you're lacking this sort of allyship in terms mm-hmm. of also just vocalizing what it is right so I think quite often you're just um, feeling some sort of obstacles you're feeling conflict and so on and you don't necessarily might know what is it about right you, you, okay. have, an, you have an idea but you don't verbalize in the same way or it's not as kind of um, straightforward, right? Right, right. Um, and uh, I think also what you kind of learn or what you try to do, what is taught to you, is to just kind of trying to fit in, right? So you kind fit of in. try mm-hmm. to fit in, you kind of try to become, not invisible, right? But you don't, as I said, you, you kind of don't want to stick out in the same way. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. you just try to blend in more with the thinking that, oh, if you blend in, like any sort of negativity will go away, right? Which obviously right. Is, not, is not true, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, at least that, I think, was the experience for me um, quite often growing up and also from talking to other friends, it, it's been um, quite like that, right? So, and then I think once I moved out um, of Austria and um, went to other areas where there was at least kind of a bit of a bigger be- um, black presence, right? So in London, mm-hmm. um, there was a bit, uh, there was definitely kind of more of that. And also in Netherlands, working for a big company, um, I definitely was not the only black person, but um, obviously kind of still in a 
very much a minority, but then I think, then you start having more of these sort of conversations, right? And you understand, right. so, oh, okay, you're also having exactly the same experiences, right? So, mm-hmm. ah, so maybe there's a pattern here, right? So right. kind of quite often, if you make these sort of experiences and you're the only one having them, you're quite often being told, oh, you're too sensitive. No, you got it wrong. It was a joke. Right. Right? It's in your head. Exactly, right? <laughs> and you start believing that as well. So you, right. kind of, you don't bring it up and you think like, oh, okay, this is me, like, um, yeah. fine, right? So, and I think mm-hmm. only once you're having these sort of conversations, you realize that there's a bigger pattern, um, that it, there are microaggressions, it's racism, it's anything also for women, it's sexism, right? So there's mm-hmm. always... All these sort of things, I think that only kind of, like, I think for some people and also for me, there was a bit of an aha moment, right? When you're right. like, okay, it's not just me, it's kind of, um, it's, there's a bigger picture here, right? Right. Um, right. So I think it's like, and if you, I think as long as you don't have that, there's also kind of less of this sort of awareness and less mm-hmm. of the sort of maybe willingness to talk about um, um, things that are race related. Mm-hmm. Also because I think quite often there's still a bit this sort of narrative of there's only so many of you that can succeed. Right. right. So we see it a lot of also mm-hmm. with um when it comes to women at the top, right? Right. There's only one seat at the table. Exactly. You gotta scratch each other to get there. <laughs> exactly. I think that's what that's um I've seen that um I think well the narrative I think was more present um when I was starting out in the working world in terms of um gender roles. Mm-hmm. I think there's also a bit like in in, that, in terms of that when it comes to whatever is perceived right. as diversity, right? Um, quotation, mm-hmm. quotation mark diversity, because we know this, it's just like a, like <laughs> yes. a different topic, a bigger topic, right? <laughs> yes. And there's also the notion like, oh, there's already a black person there. They're diverse, right? So yes. that's already, that seat is already filled, right? So yeah. I think that there's also this sort of notion of com- competition that com- comes into the discussion. Yeah. And then obviously kind of pair, pairing this up with not wanting to stick out, not wanting to kind of craze, like create like sort of, difficulties right so right. I think that's also kind of what then prevents you from seeking out these sort of connections building up these communities and mm-hmm. so on so I think this is also something for me that I perceived much more um, once I uh, moved um, to different cities um, when I was working at Booking there was uh, the Black Employee Resource Group Be Bold right. mm-hmm. um, that was incorporated um, during my time there I think you also had the former uh, you had the, um, the Britney I had Britney yeah, exactly <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> was uh, the global chair um when i was yeah. there um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, of the group right and i think that was kind of just very interesting to see that evolve and just being like yeah why why didn't we have this earlier right? why didn't why, we have this before this, mm-hmm. yeah where i was this in my previous um roles right so and then you realize how helpful this is plus um what i've seen um especially in europe is that um in the last year in 2020 after um everything that um unfolded in the middle of the year right Mm-hmm. With the sort of BLM movement. Right, with the triggered prominent. by the George Floyd murder exactly. and spread across the globe. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also where you saw a lot of communities um, forming much more and coming mm-hmm. up and people were like, you know, we should we should do stuff together. We should, like, um, I yeah. think there's a bit of a collective understanding of we are all experiencing to some extent the same difficulties. We're all, yeah, facing yeah. the same negativity. Let's Let's at least unite around this. Let's collaborate. Let's form like let's form groups, platforms, mm-hmm. and that's been that's been really nice. And even now, I was the other day just um, chatting to a friend, um, a black friend back back home in Vienna, and we were also just chatting of kind of why this was not, not so much a thing even in mm-hmm. the corporate world, but also and and in no, areas where there are not many growing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, also like in areas where there are very little like uh, very few um, black people, right? So it will still be difficult in the corporate world to form a network around that if you're like. To a right. company, right? But mm-hmm. then there are like networks, like 
more on a private basis, right? Right. Uh, and that has been kind of evolving um, a lot and they became much more visible and so on. So I think that it is, I think Europe is on a definitely, on a, definitely on a different journey here. Mm-hmm. But I think also if you like maybe 10 years back would have looked at women's networks, right? They would have right. looked very different than they do today. Mm-hmm. Um, I think even mm-hmm. back then, like for women's networks, there was a different understanding of, oh, should you be doing that? Should you cause trouble? Should you right uh, can you do that but ooh, men are not invited right so all these sort of discussions and now i think <laughs> yes <laughs> i had those discussions when i was starting the women's network at my company uh really very much um around the apprehension of like standing out i think we have to start wrapping this up a bit so I, what is a book that you read in the last year or well not it doesn't have to be in the last year a book that made a huge impression on you in your personal and professional development journey I think like one of the books that I read, um, I think, I don't know if it was the last year, maybe a bit earlier, um, was Home, um, um, Homegoing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Gaia C. Oh my God, that book is life. You're right. So, and I came kind of, I think I read it actually two years ago and I came, I somehow keep going back to it, right? Like I think, mm-hmm. especially because I guess the last year was kind of, in some ways also quite a reflective one for many people. Right. right? Mm-hmm. We made a lot of time to think about stuff. Yeah. Um, and I, I just like, uh, yeah, I think it just, it, I think it just very nicely shows how things are connected, but also, yeah, that I think it's kind of interesting how it puts um, these things kind of, or these perspectives of how much of your life is maybe influenced by the outside, by circumstances, mm-hmm. but also mm-hmm. like you form your own path, right? Um, so I think yeah. that, it's kind of it's very interesting and I think there's so much that people can relate to there's so many not interesting bits of of, of history of, of how it links to the present yeah um, yeah I love home going too. Thanks for saying that. I loved it. I, I I think when it came out, I immediately picked it up and I didn't put it down until I was done. Um, and for me, it was really the connection of the of the story from the continent to the diaspora, yeah. right? Um, and as a diaspora and African, I. I, I am constantly thinking about my identity and what it means, right? And then meeting Black people outside of the continent, I am trying to figure out how do we relate to each other. Yeah. And that book really lays it down. Love it. So, Raya, what three words would you describe yourself with and why? Ooh, difficult. <laughs> yeah. I'd say one is probably chill, as in kind of, I think I'm kind of quite a chill, chill. person. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I can be quite calm. And yeah, I think, well, for me, that has a positive connotation, just, yeah, kind of trying to sometimes take take a step back or kind of not trying to fuss over things that I can't influence too much, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. doesn't mean that obviously kind of you want to tackle um, some things, right? So right. I think I'm a problem solver in the sense that I try to kind of work things out, whether it's kind of obviously kind of more in a professional sense, a professional um, view, um, but also I think just in terms of life, I kind of sort of like solving challenges, like solving problems. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know if versatile is a good, is the right adjective, but I think, I think I can change of, not necessarily change of who I am, but I think maybe the, the way that people see me might change. Um, mm-hmm. Um, James. I mean, you're a black woman. Versatile is in your middle name <laughs> to start with <laughs> anyway. But I think throughout your story, we can see how you where you have reinvented yourself. 
<laughs> right? You've moved countries, you've moved cities, um, and you've moved even industries, right? Uh, you you had a topical interest of of data science, obviously, and and you've applied it in fashion, in <laughs> you know, in um in 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 the travel industry, and now you're doing it in hair care. That's pretty versatile, and a lot of people don't just give themselves that freedom. I think, yeah. Yeah. Uh, in, in a way. So I think it's it's quite descriptive. Is it the versatile or adaptability? That's yeah, adaptability, maybe that's adaptability. A, that's a better, yeah. Yeah. So word. you are adaptable and versatile. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. What about songs? What's your what's a hype up song? Like a song that really just gives you energy and you know gets you energized or one gets when gets you out there. <laughs> that keeps changing a bit, but I think one that I keep coming back to is from Marvin Gaye. Got okay. to keep it up. Which one? Um, got to give it up. Got to give it up, Marvin Gaye. I think it's kind of from uh, the late seventies. Uh huh. So it's kind of when I think Marvin Gaye went a bit kind of bit down the disco route. Yes. Um. Yes. So it's kind of it's very danceable. It's kind of it builds up. It's a groovy song. So mm-hmm. yeah, I love it. it. Put it on. It's dope. <laughs> <Dance through your laughs> <flat. laughs> you kind of center your energy. This is so great. Oh my god, this is such an amazing conversation. What last pieces of advice would you have for other women of color out there in the corporate world? So two or three. Um, what pieces of advice? So first of all, I would say um, in the context of um, being versatile, being adaptable, just, mm-hmm. yeah, just if, if you feel that you want to make a change, whether it's kind of changing directions, careers mm-hmm. um, and so on, go for it. I don't think you should ever think that it's kind of this notion of, as we said, it's too late or um, how does it fit into everything else? Yeah, I think that's that's very old-fashioned to just kind of go for it. Obviously, um, if you have the opportunity to do so, uh, don't be afraid to ask for help or support, right? So I think quite often we are a bit shy to do so. We think like, oh, we have to do everything by ourselves. You don't, re- you don't really see um, what's behind other people's um, accomplishments or success. Um, but I think most people who got somewhere got there because they had some sort of support system network. And it might be natural it might just be by finding the right connections finding those groups that you can that you feel this sort of allyship or um, companionship in or just reaching out to some people for help right so I think that's Mm -hmm. that's something that we should do much more naturally right just being Mm -hmm. reaching out Mm -hmm. to people whether it's on LinkedIn whether it's privately and I think as long as you do so in a friendly and polite way I don't think it will be negative yeah Yeah. and then yes also just what I noticed is that's how empowering is also just to kind of try to give back or uplift others in some sense right so um obviously i think you're doing it with with the podcast right just kind of creating a platform i yeah some of um more randomly got into having conversations of with people um who wanted to get into data science right so okay. mm-hmm. um and who struggled to find a way and i just realized um obviously it's kind of really nice just to be able to support others Right. But then also just how much I myself benefited from it, right? Because right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, just so it's of... not just a one-way thing. You also exactly. get a lot out of it as well. Exactly. Great. Soraya, thank you so much. This was such a, a very enlightening conversation <laughs> in many ways. I really appreciate you coming onto the pod and I am rooting for you. I'm literally like, uh, what is she going to do next? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So so it's Kara for now, but any like long term like goals or are you taking it as you go? What's your what's your approach to this? 
Um, I think I take it a bit as a go or mm -hmm. I think in chapters, right? Like chapters, yes. I, I try to well, in the end you'd never know what's gonna happen anyway. So I think it's also Honestly, this something. pandemic taught us that yeah. <laughs> plans <laughs> ain't shit. <laughs> like exactly. So I like to kind of work on see see myself also see my life a bit in chapters, right? So you mm -hmm. you work with um or you do what you want to and then but also being ready to adapt um later on. Right. See where life takes you, how things mm -hmm. change. So we'll see. Okay. Thank you so much, Soraya. Um, really appreciate this. I'm going to give you back your day now. Oh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you so much to my wonderful guest, Soraya, for sharing her story on B Squared C. I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode. Come over to the Biscuit C Instagram and LinkedIn and let me know what um, stood out for you. If you like what you heard, go ahead and give this podcast five stars wherever you're listening to it from. And don't forget to share it with your network. Lastly, you can also make a small donation to keep this podcast going. Buy me a coffee with the link in the show notes. In two weeks' time, I'll be back with a reflection on some of the things Soraya and I talked about. Until then, I am your host, Nancy. Be safe, be empowered, and stay inspired. <laughs>